In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, what is Emotet? Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is Emotet. Joining me to help answer this is Kyle Andrus and Daniel Ebbett. Uh, so, um, this is a little bit different than some of my other podcasts. I straight up, uh, at the front, apologize for the mic. I had the wrong mic hooked up. I am, uh, it was also the first one we did on a, on my Twitch stream, my new Twitch stream. Um, so, uh, it had some things to work out, particularly the mic. <laughs> I have another one. The next episode after this one will also be on twitch uh like how to set up a twitch stream but i actually i think i haven't listened to the audio yet but i think i i got the uh the microphone figured out there so um yeah i apologize for that but you know it's what it is you can still you can still listen to it still a lot of good information on emotet uh daniel and kyle are always a lot of fun to have on the podcast we have a pretty good time always recording uh one of these podcasts so uh, make sure to check out converge um, Converge Detroit, which is May 17th and 18th. Um, they are, uh, they have the CFP open. They're looking for sponsors, early bird special on tickets right now. So be sure to check that out. And then of course, mysec.us. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. We do have a new Discord channel. Um, if you want, I, 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 there's a post on the website, timothydblock.com, that has both the Discord and the Twitch channel if you want to check those out, if that's your thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much going to do it. Um, you know, I hope you guys enjoy the show, and let's get right into it. Well, you don't deal with Amotet a whole lot, Dana? Um, I have uh, not had cause to, um, to deal with Amotet a whole lot yet, which is nice. Um, I know that it's a big problem. I know that a lot of companies get a bunch of Emotet all day, every day, and it's kind of interesting in that it is sort of morphed from being uh, its own sort of banking malware to also to now being a dropper. It's commonly seen as a dropper for other malware now, which is very curious. Right. But uh, yeah, I'm sure that uh, Kyle can talk more about it because I luckily have weathered the storm thus far under the umbrella of Proofpoint. I hope. I think maybe we'll see. Have you, we'll see opened, have you ever opened it though? Did at least do an analysis on it? Uh, a long time ago when it was new. I haven't seen any recent samples. When did, I'd it, like come, to. When did it come out? That's a great question. I want like to say... Originally, it was 2014. Yeah, like, it's it's made a resurgence in the last, like, nine months or so, but it yeah, is old. Saying, like, I haven't, like, yeah. I haven't heard about it up until, like, recently, and I was, I was in security in 2014, but I don't remember hearing about it a whole lot, so it's like, that's why I was like, what is Emotet? And I was yeah, like, this new, I, brand new hot malware, and come to find <laughs> out, it's five years old at this point. Yeah. They just got really good at they a lot of developer support <laughs> cyber criminals let me tell you <laughs> they put a lot of nice effort into like making it nice and module and like oh new techniques uh, new things come out well just add and drop it into Emotet there we go attack yeah. and go and then like this summer is when like just a massive email campaign really came out right right I feel like that's that tied it doesn't matter like what's like malware they were using but because of that email campaign that they used it was just everywhere. Yeah, like the dropper behavior as well sort of indicates to me that it maybe they're selling it, maybe it's being like sold as a service or something to bundle yep. other things, you know. But I don't know, I don't know, it's all hearsay. 
but the 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 techniques that he uses seem pretty basic. It's like PowerShell droppers, right, Kyle? Have, have you seen anything? Do, have you seen him doing anything particularly crazy, other than like you know PowerShell the, dropper from Word? Yeah, the the big change I would say that kind of like I think caught people by surprise or like actually went through some of their normal detections was because they started using like DOS obfuscation. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being a PowerShell 64-bit encoded string, it was DOS obfuscation with a whole bunch of craziness that basically just launched PowerShell. And <laughs> the first versions that we saw were hilarious because it'd be like crazy obfuscated like DOS, and then it would just spawn like a normal like PowerShell mm-hmm. with all the commands. You didn't have to do any obfuscation after that point. So, oh, this you, is easy to look at. <laughs> when you say then, DOS, you mean like like just like Windows command shell, no PowerShell stuff. Yep, yep, no, no PowerShell. No fancy command yeah. command line arguments. Awesome. And yeah, there's uh, uh what's his name? Uh, Daniel uh, Bohanan. I think his name is. So he came out with that technique and is documented documented it extensively, created invoke DOS obfuscation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like they basically picked up, went to GitHub, got their new tool to download and started utilizing it in their actual malware campaigns. Interesting. Could you, you can tell that it's that uh, invoke obfuscation has been used on it specifically? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Bohannon. How about revoke obfuscation? Does that work on it? Right. I, I actually <laughs> haven't tried because um, we would actually see the PowerShell command mm-hmm. line um, arguments, which are usually either yeah. one, when we first started seeing them, they were just like the PowerShell commandlets, like no obfuscation. Then later, yeah. they were more obfuscated and then six, base 64 encoded. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, like through your flight recorder, you can sort of you have visibility into that anyway, like your carbon yep. black or your, um, you know, your end game or like your, your crowd strike. EDR recording like, in all your processes. It, it yeah. captures these things at a time when they've already been deobfuscated, as it were, by the yep. by the program itself. Interesting. It's, I like I like the idea of revoke obfuscation to like insert into a processing pipeline, but that's yeah. another story. Yeah, and then if if you just have like a simple uh, uh, dynamic like uh, uh, words are hard. <laughs> It's a thing that you run malware in. It's a malware lab. Yeah, like a dynamic called... analysis sandbox. Hey, that's a sandbox. Yeah, a malware sandbox. Oh, like your Joe sandbox or your uh, your your uh, your one with the bird, the cuckoo thing. Choose, choose your choose you your flavor. You got, you got your any dot run on the internet if you want to give your all your samples to whoever runs any dot run. So if that's in line and part of your process, then it's mm-hmm. really quick because it shows you uh, those command line arguments that are spawned out of the, the malware. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another way to quickly kind of see it if you don't use manual or kind of statically pick through it. Um, yeah, but for us, what we saw was interesting was, okay, so we've, we've seen malware. DOS obfuscation being dropped in is kind of new, and you're like, okay, that's interesting. Gets by your classic kind of like email kind of filters and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what for us was weird is that the email campaign was really aggressive. Mm-hmm. Like we had a majority of our users were getting emails from people that got owned from like their realty company, and the they were re- they were replying to people either the same day emails or the email from yesterday with that person. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And then they were targeting like those documents with names that were kind of related to what they were talking about. Hmm. So, and we had another one where is a third party vendor um, who was in a meeting yesterday with like thirty of our employees. And then his account got popped, and then he replied to everybody on the email. Hey, nice meeting yesterday, everybody, but here's the thing. 
And That's so, really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, somebody like, is actually in these vendors' networks and reading their email it, and being and making intelligent decisions. Yeah, that's exactly. And so that that upped our game a little bit. Just looking at it, like we all kind of freaked out a little bit more because, like, okay, <laughs> someone's actively like crafting this and helping it may be a little bit more successful. Um, and so that's what really freaked us out. Uh, we eventually made some rules to kind of just kill off um, any process that's uh, a word or Excel or yada yada. Um, if it tries to spawn anything, it just dies in the fire. <laughs> ah, interesting. That's that's a good way of doing it. I mean, also, you know, disabling macros. How effective would that have been had, had you been able to except, do that? Except, except for the finance department uses macros like no, well, there's no there's yeah. no business reason for any macros. And, and remember, like all of these all these documents that we spawn, right? Um, they have uh, very nice, clear, easy to follow instructions that guides you through how to re-enable those macros. This is true. So, so even <laughs> by default. Right, yeah. yeah, by default, you know, we don't have macros enabled, things like that, right? But yeah. the mailer's like, oh, well, you know, this is an important document. So go ahead and click these easy-to-follow <laughs> steps, and you can get that thing that we promised you. Oh, the first thing I see in all my invoices that I receive from my bank is like a three-page primer on how to, like, change your group policy settings. Yeah, how yeah, to disable your, yeah. your internal security that's, policies. That's right. Yeah, how to get around Windows ATP, et cetera, et cetera. Incidentally, I've discovered Windows Defender ATP to be pretty good at catching this bullshit. Too. I was gonna say yep. like that, that. I don't have a sandbox set up because I can't set up Cuckoo uh, to save my life. I spent like a day on it, and I was like, "Screw this." <laughs> it is easier than it used to be since 2.0 came out, so I would encourage okay, you to try to go back and try. It. But yeah, I mean, it's something I'd like to have set up. But then we, I think we've done. We did the other podcast, the malicious link clicker, and so now I have a VM that's just a Windows machine. And whenever I need one of those, just to, <laughs> I just I just need to see the activity because I can click, just blow click, it away. Click. Yeah, pretty yeah. much what it is is. And that's what be I, sure what your I'm... username is Ryan Clicks it <laughs> at Gmail. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I I've opened a couple and I was I was happy to see that Windows Defender was catching it. I was like, oh, that's good. Bad. And that's where I then grabbed like the name is like because you know it's like a Gen, Gen A malware. Like it never actually names it what everybody knows it by. Oh yeah, none of the antivirus companies can agree on what to call right malware. Right. Such you know whatever that means anyway, right? Yeah. So what? So what, when it, when it launches and it actually gets installed, it's just going to your contacts and then sending out more of it, or what? No. So, so what, what we were seeing was so the the first stage um, was just a random downloader, um, and so its its goal was basically to download the next module or payload from the Emotet framework. Um, for us, so here's what's interesting: so like they put these like you see this really sophisticated phishing campaign that you're like, oh crap. They're like responding to people next day or same day, and then they're using DOS obfuscation, which like we haven't seen anyone use that before. Um, even recently, they started using like there's a text box that they created, and they put all the um, uh, DOS obfuscation code in the text box. The macro code has nothing in it except for it loads the text from the text <laughs> box in the document field. Oh, that's it's like cool. it looks like a tiny pixel on the oh, front that's page, the right? So they keep they keep iterating like different ways to like make it fancier, but in the background like the infrastructure that they're using their C two their communication downloads all that stuff, it was getting picked off like within hours by most. So if you have a proxy and it's a and it's a good proxy service, um, they would pick it up and and kill off all of these like um, C two domains that people they they popped and used in the campaigns because. As you took apart the actual malware, you usually got about four to five domains that this malware would try to go to get that next uh, stage to download or do a command or whatever, right? 
And it would always get blocked in our networks because our proxy was just like, yeah, this is a bad domain. We're not going to allow it. <laughs> and so like AV didn't stop it. EDR didn't stop it. It was our proxies that basically oh. saved our bots for like multiple months. Because Thank their you, C2 infrastructure. Yeah. <laughs> the C2 infrastructure just got picked up. Like it was, yeah, there was just no attempt. Is is crazy. Defense in depth, man. It's probably right? a good example of that. I could write yeah, a book on that. For sure, yeah. <laughs> so what's what's DOS obfuscation? That's not something I've heard of before. I'm familiar, or familiar with um, PowerShell obfuscation. Sort of. So the idea of making one's script all crazy such that it still oh, runs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. but yeah. you can't read it very easily as a human anymore is used everywhere. You know, you can you, there's obfuscators for PHP, for JavaScript, for PowerShell, for any any sort of scripting language that you might uh, consider. You can also, you know, manually obfuscate code, like take functions and rename them, take variables and give them like super long names, stuff like that. Or just, you know, split your strings into mathematically reconstructed components. Um, or drop it like garbage yeah. delimiters and, and yeah. junk. It just takes up space. And so it's not human readable, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so when, when we say the command line then to obfuscate? Right. So, yeah, okay. when we say DOS obfuscation, we just mean like the Windows command processor as opposed to PowerShell. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because if you're writing any type of detections on command line arguments, um, that's an entire field that's controlled by the attacker, right? So when they have a payload that runs, they know what command line they're typing in there for that process. So command.exe, some, some fun things that come out of that is when you start using flags, let's, I don't know if it's command.exe specifically, but many of the other flags like uh, uh, netsh.exe, I believe, if you do like slash a, right, and slash a would do all whatever, so some random command, but because of DOS and how it interprets things, if you did slash a, b, c, d, e, f, g, it would always interpret that, oh yeah, you mean slash a, but for you, human readable, <laughs> you just see slash a bajillion things and so if you were writing rules on detecting that unless you had like um an edr or uh, a query language that allowed you to do like regex mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to detect this stuff because right. it would be impossible you could it's the the imagination is your limit into what you could put on that command line and then what the uh, command.exe would actually like interpret correctly okay. and there's yeah, there's a whole Black Hat talk. I can send a link to it. It's it's awesome that uh, Daniel's done. And he did that for PowerShell and just showed you how, you know, if you want to make PowerShell command line arguments just impossible to read, he went through all the steps on how to do it. And so there's just no way to detect it by command line. Um, and then he did the same thing for DOS. So it's, it's really cool research. And we're actually seeing it in malware samples today. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it stops you from like looking for strings that you know are bad on the command line. But there are other things you can do too, like obfuscated command lines, obfuscated scripts look very weird, and they have other properties that you might be able to grip on in your logs, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it might be, it might become useful then to like look at all of the super long command line arguments that are operating in your in your fleet in your environment, or uh, you know, <laughs> you could always do entropy analysis. LOL. Don't do that <laughs> because it's not it's super not reliable. But um, uh, there's there's other things you can do to try to detect that sort of garbage because they look very different from normal command lines. So now you can sort of teach your detection systems what is normal and have it look for things that are not. Yeah, it doesn't get you any further to understanding what it is, but it allows you to identify it at least. Yeah, 
at least you yeah there's definitely different ways that you can flag it to, to have it now an analyst like look at it and see what's going on right so if it bypasses av you're not just screwed there are there is recourse no, no. to take as an analyst which is nice <laughs> well i like that i like that mitigating control of like making sure doc doesn't load stupid like why are you like launching a command exe sure well welcome to the world of microsoft yep. <laughs> <laughs> like they microsoft the office products allowed you so much power and flexibility that you could do kind of anything from a document excel powershell i'm sorry powerpoint <laughs> powershell um and and that's what we found so like there were departments that had a smart person that was in their in their department and they went through and they built like an automated script to do x that is now the basis of how that team runs and does stats. <laughs> and so for them to rewrite it, one, that guy's already yeah. gone. So you're doing with those legacy-like scripts that teams require to do their job. Right. Um, just a lot of that stuff comes out of that. Those right. I mean, and how are business people to know, right? If you're trying to make money, you're trying to achieve your business objectives, how are you to know that... Uh that using a particular tool that you can use to get your job done, you know, why shouldn't you use that? You know, who, who's this idiot? Who's this idiot in security telling you, oh, you shouldn't use this because because malware? Yeah. What does that mean? You know, it's not not very sellable to to uh, somebody who's trying to get their work done. And and vendors do it too. Yeah, I've seen vendors that they they had either Excel documents that would spawn out like um, statistics that they're using, so they they have some other. Uh, EXEs that came along with their software. So you would open up one of their Excel templates and that template would call other pieces that they used to do analysis for you. Make pretty graphs, do whatever. And so you'll see that stuff actually spawn CMD, PowerShell. <laughs> Calling GNU plot to yeah, make pretty right? graphs. <laughs> or like, you know, think about it like if you're in a, you know, just not just command or PowerShell, but if you're in a Microsoft Word document and you have a hyperlink, you click on the hyperlink that's going to launch a browser. <laughs> if you have a link to, like a file link on your system to a PDF file or a, a PDF on a, a network share in your, in your company, then that's going to launch, you know, an mm -hmm. Adobe browser. process. Yeah. That's going to, yeah. So there's all, all those different ways that you can see these kind of like child processes execute. So you got to be careful and you have to do proper tuning because if you do just turn everything off, depending <laughs> on the size of your company, <laughs> you will break people, people will get angry, and mm -hmm. yeah. Sounds like you, you're speaking from experience. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people do things that look weird all the time in the in the right. pursuit of normal business, you know, like I've seen, you know, people embed zip files into PowerPoint files and then put that PowerPoint file into an Excel spreadsheet because you can nest your OLA objects in, in office products like that. And so it generates a very strange, interesting um, execution profile when they send it to their intended recipient and they open Excel, which opens PowerPoint, which then opens, you know, their unzipper, which then, you know, spawns executables or whatever. Oh, you know, I just, oh, I didn't think I should email it because it contains proprietary information. Or, oh, I thought, I thought hiding it would be a good idea because I didn't want <laughs> AV to catch me. You know, I know that this, this thing gets caught by AV that I downloaded off the internet, but I need it for my job. So I, I obfuscated it myself. <laughs> it's nice. interesting. Yeah. People do all sorts of crazy things. So who created, yeah, man. who created Emotet? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. I actually don't know any of the attribution or some of the authors of it. If indeed it has been done. Attribution in general is very hard, right? And yeah. you can make a it's rare that you can actually get a, a, a sort of proof positive 
attribution anyway. In in a lot of the um, the banking type Trojan type stuff, malware in general came from kind of like Russia, North Korea, and Iran. Those are like major three players that have supported cyber criminals creating or helping mm-hmm. maintain some of that infrastructure. So yeah, I like to blame Canada most of the time. Like yeah, our friends, no, like our that's friends true. Francisco yeah. Carlos. You know, even if you see interesting things inside a malware sample, you see a bunch of strange Chinese strings or a UI in, in Russian. It's probably Canada. You yeah, know what? I was, I was deciding between the Converge shirt or my Splunk shirt that says you can't always blame Canada. So I'm, <laughs> I made the wrong choice, clearly. <laughs> yeah, you can't blame Converge. I mean, we just opened up our CFP today. Yeah, there you go. Do you want to promote that? Uh, convergeconference.org. Please go. Yeah. <laughs> Converge conference. Converge what? Converge conference.org. What is that? It's an amazing conference. This Good year, heavens. we're going to be doing our uh, one day red team, one day blue team. So Hold on a second, Ooh, Kyle. If I Google Converge conference, there are many different Converge conferences. Which one do you mean? This is Converge Detroit. Yeah. In Detroit, Michigan. Sorry. Good. In the heart of Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> this is true. Right this next is true. to the burning buildings. At Cobo Hall. So that is near Canada, right? <laughs> that is actually... Uh, you could skip a rock across to Canada if you've got a really good arm. Okay, not that you're endorsing that. No, no, I'm not a, I'm not a rock thrower. Okay, not yet. Okay, got it. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be kind of different this year because we've got uh, workshops in the morning. So we go from like 8 a.m. till noon workshops. Um, and then they'll have social CTF stuff going on as well. And then the actual keynote is at like one o'clock. Oh, that's nice. That's interesting. Yeah. And and so that way we had you know people that were in workshops like the year before really wanted to go to and see different talks, yada yada. So we actually separated them out this year. We're gonna see how that goes. That's good. Um, but we've got uh, our keynotes for blue team and blue team is Lee Holmes, and then for red team it's uh, Marcelo uh, Salvati. So if you're familiar with any of the uh, red teaming like frameworks, uh, Crack Map Exec is one that he wrote. So he's our red team keynote, and it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool. So I'm kind of excited um, just to see how this format works out. Um, and yeah, actually having kind of like a theme is something hmm. new for us. <laughs> so there's a red track, a red team track, and a blue team track. There are two tracks. It'll be uh, first day all blue, second oh, day all red. That's cool. Yeah. And then you guys have B-Sides yeah. uh, Detroit right after that? Uh, normally we would. Um, this year, I think we're letting B-Sides go. No. Yeah, we've we've tried to um, uh, kind of keep it going, but the last uh, several years in a row, just people haven't been showing up. So I think it's time to kind of let it go, maybe have some new people take it on. It happens. They, uh, is there, is there someone that wants to take it on? Uh, I don't know. We will okay. find out. We'll we'll definitely help. And anyone that wants to take it on, we can definitely help them out and get them running. At at us on Twitter, somebody yeah. who wants to take over B sides Detroit. And B sides Detroit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, so, what, Sam, what, so are we, those, what are those dates? Uh, we will be. Oh, it's May sixteenth uh, and seventeenth. Okay. In Cobo, in Detroit, so right downtown. It's only 128 days, 9 hours, 21 minutes, and 14 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Not like anybody's That's pretty good. <laughs> and we just opened up our CFP. So if you go to convergeconference.org, our CFP is there to fill out and 
Let the fun go. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Are there going to be any Emotep talks then? Uh, there might be. Let's put one together. Yeah, <laughs> I know there'll probably be a miter talk or two. Yeah. Enjoy miter. Miter. What's the whatever is that? People have been saying miter to me for the last for the last twelve months. They keep saying it like it means something. Yeah, it's just miter. Yeah. Do you miter? Yes or no? <laughs> like, do you sounds, skateboard? Yes or uh, no? I feel like you have to buy me a drink before I can answer that question, Kyle. I'm sorry. Yes. As far as Emotet, was there anything else uh, that we should mention? I don't feel like we covered like exactly what it gets into. Like, what does it actually do? Oh yeah. So it's it's main goal when it first came out was just so banking trojans. What do those do? They're usually looking for banking information, so they may scan your machine for documents that have bank info. Um, most commonly, if you had your password stored in your browser. Um, they would try and pull out like your oh chase.com. You store that password in your browser. Mm. They would pull that out and use it and then try and basically transfer funds and do all that stuff. Log into your account, yada, yada. So it's still mm-hmm. considered a banking trojan then? Is that, is yeah. that I think it's starting to evolve and change now where that was the original goal. Um, and the now original because, payload at least. Yeah. And now because it's so modular, it, it doesn't matter. Like it's sky's the limit. It's kind of like it can be anything, but most commonly, we've I think people have seen it as kind of a destructive ransomware, where um, some of the modules you plug in are taking advantage of some of the newer vulnerabilities, you know, like well, newer Eternal Blue things like that, so that it can spread very quickly, um, or it will, you know, grab local credentials off the machine that it got hacked into, and if that's an admin account or domain admin account, it would spread to everything that it can have get access to over like SMB or whatever. Um, module that you've loaded in there. So, yeah, I think a lot of it's been more the extortion kind of realm recently. Yeah, I mean, the, the name has, be- has come to be applied to, like, the dropper part, I guess, and not to the payload part anymore, but it also refers yeah. to the, the banking, the original banking trojan in the past. So yeah. it's it's a little confusing. But, yeah, I assume that this means that, you know, it's it's in many people's hands now, and so attribution is going to be very difficult, you know. Yeah, people are all sorts of different or is, are people like I don't know. Apart? That's a good question. Or, I'm not I was sure. trying to look at that before this. I'm sure it's around. I'm sure if you know enough Russians, you can probably find it. <laughs> you have to go on the dark net. I thought you oh, said no. it was Canada. I thought, I thought it would be Canadians you have to know. I have no comment to make at this time, Mr. DeBlock. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's you, isn't it? Let's just keep the, keep the Five A's nations out of this, maybe. The UK definitely included. Everything was okay until the Fire Nation was hacked. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen, for letting me know my audio is low. I don't know why. <laughs> my mic on. My mic is on. What the heck? Um, it looks fine. I don't know. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> I'll uh, fix the Twitch stream, but we'll record it all again in lip sync. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I could. What I could have done was run Audacity at the same time, which I had planned to do, and then I didn't. That's okay, though. Uh, okay, so... Yeah, well, you haven't started recording yet. This is still the pre-show, right? Yes, yes, we haven't recorded okay. yet. Yeah, so we, well, we've so still got time. So let's go ahead and talk about uh, where you work. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> if we, we haven't started recording, everything's fine. Yes, yeah. no, I got a new job. I'm, I'm very happy to have moved across the country and um, be doing uh, important security work at a different company far away from Kyle. <laughs> he left me, and I'm so sad because all of the good tea left with him. Oh, oh yeah, it did. It did. But look, last time we gave you tea, you just threw it in the harbor. So, you know, we That's, can't trust Well, you know, 
that we didn't know there was good tea. <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you? Something to do with paying tax and for, yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we're getting too political for exploring information security. <laughs> That's true. You know, it was many hundreds of years ago, but we, we haven't forgotten. Just saying. Never forget. All right, so what, what resources are available, available for learning more about Emotet? We talked about sandboxes. Cuckoo would be a good one. Mm-hmm. The virus yeah. total. Google. Virus total, yeah. yeah. It is, so it is, it is well publicized. It is well written about. Um, if you can find copies of the malware if you want to on uh, virus total or wherever it is that you uh, download shady malware from, it's fine. Um, but there's, it's been written about a lot, and it's it, there, have, there have been several high-profile uh, targets that have that have become owned by Emotet. One that I found um, uh, was a city, as the the city of Allentown was apparently uh, nabbed by Emotet and had all of their systems busted, which is amazing. Which, um, what do you mean by busted? So what, what exactly happened? Um, I'm trying to remember because it was an article that I read a while ago. I have a feeling that it dropped ransomware. Okay. But I'm just checking. Just let's uh, make sure that uh, I have not misspoken. My understanding is that they got hit with ransomware, but Imitet was involved. So who knows if it's who knows? Maybe the reporting is bad. It might not be. It may not be true. It may not have been involved. You know, there's a lot of always a lot of problems uh, figuring this stuff out sometimes, right. especially especially when you get the media involved. You know, um, information can become distorted. Uh, but you know, I would encourage you to use Google and your best judgment. Luckily, it's it's seems to be getting caught by different things. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the most the most interesting point that I saw. Of this was that like you know they had all this sophisticated like bypassing your AV for like a, a macro word document execution of Doom, but at the end of the day, their their actual C two infrastructure was already known by most like proxy, and your firewall would block it all already because the reputation just shot that fast. Yeah, it's time time for some innovation on the part of the malware writers. Yeah. Because again, they yeah. they had they would have the five domains that they had um, listed in the malware, and it was pretty easy to get it. Um, whether you sandbox it or whatever, like it would it, you could see, get to it really quickly, and then you could be like, oh, well, here's four domains I get to block. Or mm-hmm. look in my environment. That, that, that sounds familiar. Are you are you talking about the the technique where you have like a bunch of hard a bunch of domains in your script somewhere, and you sort of iterate over them, and you take the first one that gets hit. That's an interesting technique that I that I first saw used in the, these Emotet samples, and it was kind of interesting because if you if you dynamically analyze it, if you automatically analyze it rather with some automated tool, maybe you'll only get one of those domains out of the tool because it, it tries to connect to the first domain and it connects and downloads the payload and that's that. But if you statically analyze it, you realize that there were four other possibilities that it could have tried as backups, and yeah. you know, that's a good example of getting of it being worth it to spend the time to do static analysis. All right, cool. cool. Well, thanks for joining me to discuss what is Emotet. Is it Emotet or Emotet? It's whatever, however your, your feels best to your heart, you know? Search your feelings. You'll find the answer. Dig deep. deep.